0: Little honey bees flying around, little green peas from the ground, buttermilk biscuits nice and brown. Bring it to the farm table, butter beans, peas, beets, and chard. Chickens running in the yard, catfish frying in that lard. Bring it to the farm. Table. Bring it to TNC Farm. Table.
1: Welcome to the Tennessee Farm Table podcast and broadcast. This is a show that is dedicated to the people of our Appalachian region who produce, prepare, and preserve our foods and agricultural products. This is your hostess, Amy Campbell. Our theme song was graciously sung, arranged, and produced by East Tennessee's own Emmy Sunshine. She is of Madisonville, Tennessee, and we are so proud of this 13-year-old Tennessee talent. And today at our table, we're going to visit with Chef Shelly Cooper. She is the Executive Chef and Head of Culinary Operations at the Dancing and Bear Appalachian Bistro in Townsend, Tennessee. Fred Sossman shares a potluck radio segment on Chattanooga, Tennessee's Moon Pie, which is celebrating its 100th birthday this year. I appreciate so much your tuning in. Now let's get started. Chef Shelley Cooper is the executive chef and head of culinary operations at the Dancing Bear Appalachian Bistro in Townsend, Tennessee. They describe the flavor of this restaurant as a celebration of Appalachian cuisine, and today I'm going to visit with Shelley and hear about her growing up her attitudes on food, and where she developed her tastes for food and what it is that she does, and also her strong feelings about the use of the word edamame, or soybeans. Now, Shelly is one of the most gracious and loving people around, and this lady is a worker. She takes great care in the quality and taste and the history of the dishes that she prepares and presents to her guests. So, let's visit with Shelly right now. So here we are talking with a Chef Shelly Cooper. Good to see you today. You too, thank you. Yeah, thanks for being here. Well, thank you. We're going to be talking about what you do. You have created an art form out of
2: food. Yeah, well, um, I'm a chef. Food is my life. Uh, I'm very engaged with the entire process of where food comes from, the growing um the the taking it from the earth and then manipulating it with my life experience of cooking and creating the most beautiful um, dish that I possibly can for the guests to enjoy and it's a a way of sharing. Um, I was introduced to really delicious food um, from my family. Uh, both sides of my family were very into making scratch-made food only. We never ate processed. Um, I wasn't even aware that you could buy spaghetti sauce until I was um, (laughs) probably about 10 or 11 years old and I went to have a sleepover. And um, the the mother was preparing our meal and she opened up a can of Prego tomato sauce. (laughs) And I thought that I had been done wrong and I had to tell my mother about it the next day of, we ate tomato sauce from a jar that was, like, you know, wasn't homemade. And I felt like I had been deprived of—I just never experienced that. Um, And uh, another another thing is when I was off in college and uh, living in Charleston, going to culinary school, and I'm at the grocery store, and I see pimento cheese. And even at that age, my naivety about um, store-bought ingredients—I did not—I'd never—I'd never thought that you could purchase pimento cheese. To me, you made it, and you had cheddar cheese, and you yeah. So, um, those are funny things that now, at this point in my life, I, I look back on. And um, but it's the whole fish out of water aspect of if you've never been exposed to it, then how are you ever going to know it? And that's the blessing that I have is that I was from birth exposed to only homemade homegrown foods and to see my um, ancestors and um, make homemade cinnamon rolls. And, you know, there wasn't breads were made from scratch and, um, You know, you you grew the tomatoes and you ate them. You didn't necessarily, you know, eat tomatoes in January unless they were the canned tomatoes that you would put up from the summertime. Mm -hmm. So just innately, um, I I realized, and everyone around me did, that I was the child that would eat anything and was very open-minded with food. And my family never held back. If we went out to dinner... Um, it was never a, uh, a, you can't have that. You're only six years old. You're not old enough to appreciate that. My family was very open-minded with allowing me, if I wanted to order a rare steak at six years old, well, then that's what I was able to do. And if I wanted to eat livers wrapped in bacon, then, you know, that's what I was able to do. But my family was obviously very open-minded with food as well. Mm -hmm. And um, I wanted to taste everything, you know, as it looked like they were enjoying something delicious. Well, I wanted to experience that too. So that's just innately, uh, that's how I'm made. Mm -hmm. Um, And so uh, I've always loved eating. I've always been fascinated with food and and the process of it um, and just had a priceless exposure to all of that um, as i said from both sides of my family Mm -hmm. my mother's family is from the mississippi delta Uh, my father's family is from jonas ridge north carolina so i had two very different southern experiences growing up Mm -hmm. and exposures Uh, My mother's mother, um, who I'm named after, my Nina, as I call her, uh, she um, would have, she had really great relationships with the local farmers in the Delta. And they would call her and let her know when the lady peas were coming in, when the silver queen corn was coming in. And we would go to the Scotch Streets Farmers Market at um, just you know, six o'clock in the morning, and I saw her appreciation, and I thought how amazing it was that my grandmother could have afforded to go buy this, have it made already, or have someone do this for her, but her appreciation um, and and the, the pride that she took in feeding everyone and the pride that she took in food and the people who grew it had a huge impact to see her show such love and appreciation to these farmers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would spend summers with her. Um, and we would sit on her porch, and we would shuck corn, and we would put up filled peas, and we would have these amazing feasts, and the entire family would come over. And there was just so much love and happiness and camaraderie, and and those were just, you know, those are just fond, beautiful memories. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was very involved, and she allowed me that. Mm -hmm. She didn't shoo me out of the kitchen. She fully appreciated, and and I I was very engaged with it, you know. I mean, she appreciated the little hard worker that I was helping her, out corn Um, and and a a wonderful thing would be in the winter time and we would go to her freezer in the uh, garage and pull up corn that we had put up and tomatoes that we had put up and and peas and, and and we would have these huge summer-like feast in the middle of winter, and the family would just go berserk because it's like we're eating this beautiful fresh product that Nino put up, but it's January. So mm-hmm. again, the installation of, uh, of you know just food is love; it's sharing, mm-hmm. and the the same goes uh, with my father's family um, in Jonas Ridge, North Carolina. Um, my great grandparents had a big farmhouse um, a lot of land and it's just heavenly, beautiful. Um, uh, coming from Memphis is where I, I was raised and we would go up to the mountains in the summertime and the temperature would just be so beautiful and cool and damp. And it just was a very different thing from the sweltering heat of Memphis. Um, and the smell of the moss and the air and the, you know, it's just it was really amazing. Um, so, my, my uh, family there, we, would, we had this enormous amount of land and we would dig potatoes and beets and we had apple trees and it was just amazing. And then there was a stream out behind that we would go catch trout and uh, everything was just so simple a coal burning stove and the smells of, of the earth mm-hmm. and the rawness of the cooking of the cast iron. And, you know, when you when you light a coal burning uh, stove and just the smells and everything that come along with that and no modern conveniences. It was everything, you know, every morning we had to shovel the coal to build the fires, just to boil the water to like have coffee. Mm -hmm. Um, So things in the mountains were more simple and more raw and rustic um, and archaic. And no dishwashers, no no electric ovens, um, and that really instilled an appreciation for how much pride when you are feeding your family and you are growing the crops, of how much effort goes into creating a beautiful product. Those beautiful beets, the beautiful potatoes, and it was all natural. I mean, it wasn't, we didn't have, you know, it was just us. And, and my relatives and the, you know, the flower garden was just beautiful and um, the material wealth was not there, um, but the, 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 the spiritual wealth was just enormous of how much effort was put into creating these massive feasts every single day. If you've just joined
1: us, you're listening to the Tennessee Farm Table podcast and broadcast. And today we are visiting with Executive Chef Shelly Cooper and Head of Culinary Operations at the Dancing Bear Appalachian Bistro in Townsend, Tennessee. After a short break, we'll hear from Shelly and her strong feelings about the use of the word edamame or soybeans. Support for the Tennessee Farm Table podcast is brought to you in part by Century Harvest Farms and Century Harvest Farms Foundation in Greenback, Tennessee. A sustainable farm in East Tennessee producing 100% grass-fed beef and other wholesome farm products. Preservative-free grass-fed charcuterie, preserves, pickles, and jams. Also home to the community-serving, food-insecurity-fighting Century Harvest Farms Foundation. Details at centuryharvest.com.
2: She's, you know, hey, I don't know what you guys are doing, but I used to sell to the previous chef, and she had all these beautiful veggies and such, and then she said, so do you have any interest in doing anything with edamame? Edamame is soybeans, and I'm like, I love edamame, but here, I don't call them edamame. I call them soybeans because we're in the South, and that's what... I mean it's one of our big crops so so taking that ingredient that is indigenous to this area and unfortunately in modern times people only equivocate that to go into the Japanese restaurant and that's so unfortunate and it it chaps me because that's here and us in this part of the world so 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 a lot of people come in and they see I try to educate the servers of, we don't call it edamame. It's soybeans. It depends on what part of the world you're in. Is it a pimento? Is it a paprika? Is it, you know, what is it? And it's all relevant to what part of the world, but anyway, because it became very unpopular and undesirable in this part of the world, soybeans did, so it became very popular. To go to the Asian restaurant and get your soybean appetizer, your edamame appetizer. So that's one thing that I find so pleasantly surprising when people get turned on to this of, wait, those are edamame. No, they're soybeans. They've been here for forever. So.
1: And you're listening to the Tennessee Farm Table podcast and broadcast. And we have been visiting today with Executive Chef Shelly Cooper, who is also the Head of Culinary Operations at the Dancing Bear Appalachian Bistro located in Townsend, Tennessee. And as always, links to Shelly's place up there and to all my guests are always online right there where my podcast resides at TennesseeFarmTable.com under the link that says listen to the show. Up next, we've got Fred Sossman's Potluck Radio segment about Chattanooga, Tennessee's very own Moon Pie, which is celebrating its 100th birthday this year.
3: This is Potluck Radio. I'm Fred Sossman. The Moon Pie turns 100 this year. The idea for the original graham cookie stuffed with marshmallow and covered with chocolate was born in the coal mining country of eastern Kentucky. Miners at a country store told Earl Mitchell from the Chattanooga Bakery in Tennessee they'd like that kind of confection in their lunch pails. And according to legend, one miner framed the moon with his hands and said make it this big. The moon pies legendary pairing with R.C. Cola took off when the country duo Lonzo and Oscar sang about it in 1951. Give
0: me an R.C. cola and a moon and play maple on the
3: hill. Moon pies and R.C. colas once sold for a nickel each, the working person's lunch. Moon pies were often warmed up on automobile dashboards. But Tory Johnston Moon Pies marketing person says the microwave does a better job. Everybody, even in this building, will tell you it's the best way to eat a moon pie. So if it's a mini moon pie, you'll put it in the microwave, you know, take it out of the wrapper, put it on a plate, heat it for, you know, five to seven seconds. Um, a big double-decker, if you want to do that, that's a 10 to 12-second job. I mean, even if it's a stale moon pie, even if it's past its code date, it brings it right back to its youth. I mean, it makes it soft, the marshmallow... You know, the moisture from the marshmallow gets up into the cookie, and it it is decadent. Over that 100-year history, new flavors and sizes were added, and today, Chattanooga Bakery turns out about a million moon pies a day. For Potluck Radio, I'm Fred Sausner.
0: a moon path from the This is Chef
2: Shelley Cooper of Terra May and Dancing Bear Appalachian Bistro, and you are listening to the Tennessee Farm Table.
1: Here are several activities and events sponsored by area nonprofit groups that are farming, food, or agriculturally related. If you're in your car and you can't scribble this stuff down, I always have these links on my website, TennesseeFarmTable.com, under the link that says Listen to the Show. The Nourish Knoxville Market Square Farmer's Market is now open and takes place weekly on Wednesdays from 11 to 2 and Saturdays from 9 until 2. These markets run until November. There are four markets operated by East Tennessee Farmers Association of Retail Marketing, and they are open as follows Tuesday is the Ebenezer Road Farmers Market from 3 until 6, located where Westland Drive joins Ebenezer in West Knoxville. Wednesday is the Oak Ridge Farmers Market from 3 until 6 at Jackson Square. Friday is the Lake Shore Park Farmers Market from 3 until 6 p.m. Saturday is the Oak Ridge Farmer's Market from 8 a.m. until 12 noon at Jackson Square. The Maryville Farmer's Market is now open and takes place every Saturday from 9 a.m. until 12 noon at Founders Square in downtown Maryville. The Dixie Lee Farmer's Market in far west Knox County now open every Saturday from 9 until 12 noon at 12740 Kingston Pike and Beardsley Farm is celebrating their 20th anniversary this year. They are hosting their annual Solstice Supper event to mark the special occasion on the farm's accomplishments. The dinner features four courses and includes local craft beer and a hand selection of wine. This is a ticketed event and it takes place June 21st at 6 p.m. The East Tennessee Chapter of National Young Farmers Coalition is a networking and advocacy group for new and beginning farmers. This group hosts four to six events per year, such as potlucks, farm tours, and film screenings, and a great way to meet other local growers. Second Harvest Food Bank is in need of volunteers to help pick produce at Century Harvest Farms in Greenback, Tennessee. Century Harvest Farm Foundation and Second Harvest Food Bank have partnered together and this produce will then be donated and distributed to Second Harvest Food Bank partner organizations that serve 18 counties in our East Tennessee area. To volunteer or for more information by email Greg at secondharvest.com tn.org The Sevierville Commons Farmer's Market is now open on Fridays from 9 a.m. until 1.30. The Morgan County Farmer's Market will be open on Saturdays this year from 9 a.m. till 12 p.m. or sellout. The location of this market is Wartburg, Tennessee, and I think it's the Old Courthouse. And there is a brand new East Side Sunday Farmer's Market in East Knoxville, every Sunday until August 23rd from 2 p.m. until 5 p.m. at the Tabernacle Baptist Church at 2137 Martin Luther King Jr. Avenue. The Harriman Farmers Market will open Saturday at 8 a.m. at the David Webb Riverfront Park in Harriman, Tennessee. And there is a new East Tennessee Children's Hospital Farmer's Market held the last Friday of the month. The next one will be the last Friday of June. The time for the market is 10 a.m. And again, links and phone numbers to all this that I just read can always be found in one big list at TennesseeFarmTable.com under that link that says Listen to the Show. Hi, this is Elaine Strano, Executive Director, Second Harvest Food Bank. Our website is secondharvestetn.org, and you're listening to Tennessee Farm Table. Thank you so much for your great company here today on the Tennessee Farm Table. Hope you can join us again right back here next Saturday at 9 a.m. on the radio dial at wdvx.com out in Knoxville or anytime on our podcast podcast tennesseefarmtable.com our theme song was written by myself and sung arranged and performed by emmy sunshine of east tennessee more information about emmy sunshine at the emmysunshine.com that is spelled t-h-e-e-m-i sunshine.com We hope you'll reach out and connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, and also our podcast on TennesseeFarmTable.com, and please tell your friends about us. We want to say thank you to WDVX Radio out of Knoxville, Tennessee. They are a true community-supported radio station that does not receive funding from universities or government agencies. The community and businesses support WDVX through an agreement with WDBX, They are our media partner, and the Tennessee Farm Table Show is broadcast on that station every Saturday at 9 a.m. We hope you have a good week and keep on digging. This has been a Campbell Creative, Incorporated production.